is Law for Community Workers, a podcast for community and health workers produced by Legal Aid New South Wales. My name is Pauline and I'm with the Community Legal Education Branch of Legal Aid New South Wales and we would like to acknowledge that our podcast is recorded on Aboriginal land and pay our respects to Elders past and present. Always was, always will be. Today, our guest is Farah from Justice Support Centre, South West Sydney Community Legal Service, and she's sharing information about the employment law service there, and also talking us through issues people face with gig work. We would like to inform listeners to remember that the legal information shared today is information only, and that it is accurate at the time of this podcast release. Today's topic, gig work, is a rapidly evolving industry and is capturing public attention. This area of law and regulation is not settled and with lots of calls for reform, is subject to change. So with that, welcome Farah. Thanks Pauline. My name is Farah Rainey and I'm a senior solicitor. I wear a few hats, but with an employment law focus. The best thing about my role is that I'm able to share legal information with groups in our community and provide accessible legal advice to clients who may have gone without legal assistance. So Farah, who are your target clients and are there any eligibilities to access employment law advice? As you mentioned, Pauline, the new name for our organisation is Justice Support Centre. We were previously known as Southwest Sydney Legal Centre. We are in the process of changing our name and giving our brand a refresh. We are a community organisation that provides legal services, domestic and family violence support and financial counselling. Our legal service provides free telephone legal advice and representation for disadvantaged community members in the Liverpool, Fairfield and Canterbury-Bankstown local government areas. We only provide casework to clients who are financially disadvantaged and vulnerable. Ongoing representation is also subject to capacity as we are only a small team. In our employment law practice, we give advice on entitlements and wages, termination of employment claims, for example, unfair dismissal, general protections claims, workplace discrimination, and other general employment advice. As for eligibility, our service provides phone advice to disadvantaged persons within our catchment area and through an extended catchment area in partnership with other community legal centres. We also collaborate with other service providers to provide legal services. Excellent. So what's the best way for community workers to refer their clients or for people to self-refer? Sure. For community workers, we take referrals all week via our online referral form. This allows us to easily capture information needed to contact the client with an interpreter if needed and streamlines our intake process. Clients can call us directly by phone during scheduled intake times. Generally, one of our lawyers will get back to the client within seven work days to provide legal advice. And do you have a newsletter or e-alert people can subscribe to? Yes, we do. You can follow Justice Support Centre on Facebook, LinkedIn or Twitter using the handle Justice Support Centre. We also have a newsletter that community workers can subscribe to by signing up to our website. Is the centre easy to get to? Is there access to disabled parking or public transport? We are currently making some changes to our service, including moving our office from Liverpool to Bankstown. Our Bankstown office will be set up 
by early 2023. Our Bankstown office will be easily accessible by train. In the meantime, our phone advice service is operating uninterrupted. In partnership with Legal Aid, we also operate a face-to-face -face outreach in Liverpool at the hub in Miller every second Thursday. This venue is accessible by bus and there's lots of parking available. So today you're going to be talking to us about a very specific employment issue called gig work. Can you tell us a little bit more about this, Farah? Gig work refers to work that is typically performed by an individual by way of signing up to an app or online host, which has on-demand jobs available to an individual to accept or decline. Generally, it is the host or app that provides a space for people who want to work and those seeking services to advertise work. Gig workers are usually independent contractors, but not always. The jobs that are generally available are one-off, short-term and generally temporary in nature. Gig work is radically changing our traditional workforce as gig work moves into industries that previously had employment relationships. It is fair to say that there is need for some regulation in this space and it's therefore something employment lawyers need to be speaking about. You might have heard that Deliveroo recently went into administration and suddenly shut up a shop in Australia overnight. This is a perfect example of how precarious gig work can be. Riders were given no notice of the shutdown. What you'll hear me say several times throughout this episode is that it's really important to know your rights so that you can plan for the future. If you don't know, get legal advice. There's some movement in this space with a recent parliamentary inquiry and a few interesting high court decisions that I'm going to speak about today. And what is actually the issue with gig work? There is nothing inherently wrong with working as an independent contractor and for some flexibility works for them. The Independent Contractors Act recognises that independent contract is a legitimate form of work. However, gig work has significant issues. For example, there's a whole industry of contract workers who have an absence of basic work rights. There's also rampant safety issues and deaths of gig workers. Several of these have been high profile. There is also an issue about power imbalances between the people who do gig work and the large multinational corporations like Amazon and Uber who provide and set the terms of engagement with each individual gig worker. Another issue is the law lagging behind technological advances. There is also an effect on the whole of economy with things like superannuation in retirement and personal injury claims. Australia is lagging behind other nations in regulating this area. When you think of the gig economy, most people think of ride-sharing drivers or food delivery services. However, the gig economy has grown into a $6.3 billion industry between 2015 and 2019 alone. The gig economy includes a wide range of services, including accommodation, graphic design, household tasks, cleaning, sex work, or reselling secondhand goods. There really is no limit as to what work might appear in the gig economy. Gig workers are generally independent contractors, and this means they are effectively operating a business that provides services. But when we are talking about independent contractors, subcontractors or subbies, we also might be talking about anyone who works under their own Australian business number or ABN. 
in industries such as construction, security services and vocational education, work as an independent contractor is commonplace. However, there are industries that you may not have thought of, like aged care and disability care work, who work as independent contractors via the National Disability Insurance Scheme. The distinguishing feature between work as an independent contractor and gig work is that gig work is associated with online technology or tech platforms. The gig economy typically relies on third-party apps where a person can sign up to the platform and accept or reject jobs and get jobs through multiple apps at one time. This is also known as multi-apping. As changes happen within the economy, various types of work is moving to online platforms. HireUp and Mabel are examples of two online platforms connecting with aged and disability care work. There could also be a challenge to traditional employment within this space, and that is a problem because there are no minimum entitlements or protections for gig workers. On-demand work or the gig economy is a different beast. The gig economy is being reviewed for a basic entitlements approach. This is not the case for other independent contracting work. We have a story for people to listen to that you're going to talk to us about. So lean in listeners because here's the tea. Levi works for delivery company Zoop and does gig work through Zoop's app. Levi had trouble finding work after he lost his desk job and started Zoop to get him through, but now he likes it because he gets to drive his own car and wear the comfy Zoop uniform. His days of wearing a suit are long behind him and sometimes he turns the app off and takes the afternoon off. Levi is happy with the lifestyle that comes from working on the app. Levi likes it when he does outer suburb deliveries because he likes the long drives, but he doesn't get to choose those jobs and takes what Zoop gives him. On slow days, Levi picks up work through other delivery apps. There were lots of confusing forms and hoops to jump through when Levi started. Levi wasn't exactly sure what he was doing, but he set up his own ABN and insured his private car. Levi isn't great with paperwork and didn't keep a complete record of what he had done. On a rainy day, Levi was in a car accident when he was out making Zoop deliveries. Levi broke his arm and had to take time off to recover. His car was also totaled, but with his arm injury, he couldn't drive anyway. Levi did not end up getting life and disability insurance or income protection when he set up his business. Levi ended up having to take about six months off work. Levi's car insurance agreed to pay him out the car's insured value. However, Levi is worried that he will not be able to afford and buy a similar car with the money he has been paid out. Levi also noticed that he was not paid for his final two weeks of work. He contacted Zoop about the non-payment. Zoop told Levi he would not be paid for that work as a penalty because under the agreement with Zoop, Levi had to give Zoop at least one week's notice of his unavailability to work. So what stands out for you in Levi's story? Do you deal with a lot of these matters? In my practice, I see a lot of people who do gig work or choose to work as an independent contractor without much thought about the legal consequences or personal impact that their decision may have on their day-to-day lives. Our clients are generally focused on getting a job and being paid. A lot of our clients turn their mind to these issues only when they are confronted with a dispute or some type of challenging situation in the independent contracting relationship. 
That's what I see in my work. And by the time it comes to us, there's already a legal issue. The issue that stands out for me in Levi's story is that it appears that he did not keep a record or a copy of the things he signed up to with Zoop, and he did not think about what would happen in the event of a serious injury or other type of adversity or problem. At our centre, a primary inquiry from people who do gig work or independent contractor work is in relation to the non-payment for their work. The second type of inquiry is about the working relationship, usually about whether one party can stop or do something that stops the person from working on an application or platform. So an example is when a gig worker receives multiple negative feedback from various clients and their account is cancelled by the platform. So generally gig workers are not afforded minimum entitlements or standards that an employee usually has under the Fair Work Act. For example, contractors or gig workers are not entitled to a minimum rate of pay and are not entitled to pay when they take time off work due to occasional or serious injury. Typically, the issue of whether a person is an employee or an independent contractor is determined on a case-by-case basis. It has been an evolving area of law over time. Historically, the totality of the relationship would be examined with reference to aspects such as control, entitlement, requirement to bear risk, superannuation, etc., noting that each case will turn on the particular facts and circumstances. There was also consideration of how that work was performed during the working relationship. In recent times, whether a gig economy worker is an employee or independent contractor was determined by applying the multi-factor test. This has largely resulted in inconsistent outcomes for the person claiming to be an employee. For certain gig workers have been deemed to be independent contractors and others have been deemed to be employees. But in early 2022, two interesting high court decisions moved away from the multi-factor test and confirmed the primacy of any written contract. The one we want to talk about today in detail is JAMSEC. In that case, two men worked as drivers for a lighting business as employees. Sometime during their employment, the business engaged the two men as independent contractors. The two men set up a partnership agreement to operate the driving business. The work, however, that was performed by the two men as employees and later as independent contractors was fundamentally the same. The men were determined by the full court of the federal court to be employees. The way in which the work was done in practice was considered and their contract was only one factor of the analysis. However, the High Court overturned the full court decision clarifying that contract is king. The High Court limited their analysis to the terms of the contract and said it was an error to look at post-contractual conduct and held that the reality of work was irrelevant and should not have been considered. This was a fundamental departure from the historical cases which considered the reality of work. Then in August 22, we see a full bench decision of the Fair Work Commission overturn a previous decision that it had determined on the status of a Deliveroo driver as an employee. The appeal was made by Deliveroo and it was successful. 
the claim looked at the contract and how the work was characterised in writing. Arguments for an employment relationship included that the driver wore a uniform, it was a relationship of personal service, and that Deliveroo had some control over how the work was performed. However, the Fair Work Commission had the benefit of the two High Court decisions of early 2022 and stated that as a result of the Personnel Contracting High Court decision, we must close our eyes to these matters and only look at the terms of the contract. It's interesting to know that in paragraph 54 of that decision, it was noted that had we been permitted to take the above matters into account as the Commissioner did, we would have reached a different conclusion in this appeal. Ultimately, it was held that the delivery driver was a contractor. The consequence is that it will likely be harder for a gig worker to challenge their status as an employee. So what would be the options for Levi and what course of action would you advise him to take? If Levi did not keep a copy of the agreement he signed with Zoop, there will be some difficulty in determining whether or not Levi can, one, claim that he is an employee and two, claim payment for the two weeks of work completed. So other things Levi should have done when signing up with Zoop include keeping a copy of the agreement, getting legal or financial advice about how to set up a business and look into any useful insurance products to have as an independent contractor. So Farah, what about sham contracting? Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sham contracting happens when your employer tells you that you are an independent contractor, even though the work you are doing is that of an employee. It is basically an intentional misclassification so an employer can circumvent employment laws. This is a potential problem for anyone who works as an independent contractor, especially if they work on an hourly rate or operate machinery or equipment that is owned by another business. If Levi came to me for advice, I would likely say that he is an ABN contractor. Given the recent changes to case law, it may be difficult to establish sham contracting more generally in Levi's case. And what about workers' compensation? Where does that fit into gig work and contracting and things like that? Generally, independent contractors are not covered by the New South Wales Workers' Compensation Scheme. They might still be able to make a claim through iCare, and as I understand it, a case-by-case assessment is completed. However, on the available statistics, generally a claim is declined if a worker is not an employee. There is also no requirement for a gig platform to provide personal injury or income protection insurance schemes as part of their setup. Other injury insurance schemes available to gig workers exist, but these can be expensive and have limited benefits. For Levi, it's an unfortunate situation where he is left without income because he didn't think about this potential problem. And work health and safety, where does that fit in for gig workers? Gig workers are captured by the Work Health and Safety Act in New South Wales. An online platform company has a general duty to provide a safe workplace and eliminate risk. Levi has to be mindful of his own obligation to work safely if he is multi-apping. Levi should ensure that he is not working long hours and taking rest breaks where required. Is there superannuation with gig work? Superannuation is a tricky area and it is covered by Australian taxation law. 
The superannuation law definition of employee is different to the employment law definition of employee. A person may be an employee under superannuation law, even though they are an independent contractor for employment law purposes. Certain types of independent contractors are entitled to be paid superannuation. Independent contractors should be paid superannuation when the working arrangement is mainly for labour and skills and the worker performs the work themselves. Superannuation was an issue in the JAMSEC case, but the court declined to make a decision about the meaning of employee, as it would have significant tax implications and remitted the issue to the federal court where the tax commissioner could be joined into proceedings. If Levi is likely to be an independent contractor, he needs to pay himself superannuation and make allowance for that when managing his finances. We've been talking about rights, but gig workers also have obligations. For example, they must pay tax on their income, keep records of superannuation, and keep up to date with any licenses or other regulatory obligations that they may have. And is there anything else gig workers should know? Gig workers should understand that they are effectively operating a business and that they may benefit from legal and or financial advice to protect their interests. There is an Independent Contractors Act and if you are a contractor, you should be aware of it. The objective of the Act is to protect commercial relationships and freedom to work as or do business with contractors. It governs contractor to business relationships and sets out unfair grounds for service contracts. So what's the one thing you would like anyone who's experiencing Levi's issues with gig work to know? It's best to try and understand and know your rights, especially if you are finding things confusing or are overwhelmed by what you are doing. Try to get legal and or financial advice. That's the main message here. Levi said that there were lots of confusing forms and hoops to jump through when he started. This is what we call a warning sign, that is, not knowing your work rights. If Levi didn't understand his working arrangement, he should have tried to chat to a lawyer or another service to help him understand. That way, he could have prepared himself for the future with things like income protection, insurance, tax and superannuation information. So what's next in this space? There's lots of chatter in this space at the moment. The new federal Labor government has plans to overhaul employment law and introduce minimum guarantees for gig workers. We'll have to see how this fits into the position of the judiciary going forward. At the state government level, in October 2022, the New South Wales Labor leader, Chris Minns, made an election promise to make workers' compensation available to gig workers and for there to be a portable entitlement scheme. The state government response to the Future of Work inquiry released in October 2022. Out of 22 recommendations, only two were fully supported and two were partially supported. And this was heavily criticised by Unions New South Wales. So it's at at this moment, it's quite unclear what action will be taken uh, pending the state election. Other interesting movements include Menulog trialling employment models for workers, new models of employment, for example, dependent contractors uh, may be created or considered. There are changes in the age and disability care sector 
in relation to gig work where that may cause a change to the employment landscape. Also in June of 2022, Uber and the Transport Workers Union struck a deal for better conditions for Uber drivers. In June 2022, Uber and the Transport Workers Union struck a deal for better conditions for Uber drivers. The deal supported an independent forum to resolve disputes. There also appears to be a change towards moving the gig economy into the industrial relations space. Thank you so much for taking the time for us today, Farah, and for sharing the Justice Support Centre Southwest Sydney Legal Centre with us. Thanks, Pauline, and thank you for today's opportunity to present on this important topic. Don't forget, you can refer your clients for legal advice who live in our catchment area on 9601-7777 or via our website www.justicesupportcentre.org.au. We provide legal advice on a range of issues and if you are unsure if we can assist, you can contact our legal service to find out. As always, you will find links to all the websites, pages and resources mentioned in this episode, as well as a full transcript listed in our show notes. Or you can email us to cle at legalaid.nsw.gov.au. This has been Law for Community Workers. Thank you for listening and goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.